you know, I can't help but um, I had to go back and kind of look over our messages of uh, really our theme and the first message I preached on increase. And as I reflected on it, kind of setting the tone for uh, this year, I couldn't help but there was uh, one of my first points I said in that first message was um, be prepared because I believe God's going to uh, bring up things from our past and we need to let go of the pains of our past and find healing this year. And I don't know about you, but the more and more I counseled all throughout the year, uh, what, what I've realized is through this time of pandemic, a lot of things have surfaced in people's lives. Pains, hurts, if they had troubles in their marriage, all kinds of different things, it surfaced. And hopefully you've taken time throughout this year and allowed the Lord to heal those hurts, those loss, and those pains. Another thing I talked about in our first message was be prepared for God to expand our tent, right, and stretch things out. And I don't know about you. How many of you have been stretched this year? How many of you are kind of over being stretched, right? It's been a crazy time of constant changes. And, and I have to say this, uh, even as part of the church and the leadership here, um, I'm so grateful for all of our team. Uh, give it up for all of our staff, our board, and our dream team. So appreciate all of you serving all throughout the year. And, you know, this has been our theme scripture to expand our tent and increase. You know, I have to share a couple quick testimonies that, man, God has just stretched all of us. Uh, those of you watching online, this ministry online was birthed through this time. Uh, we've had to have increased our team. I think that team alone had about 12 people that had to get together and learn all new equipment. And through it, though, we hearing testimony of people who are in Arizona who watch our services each week. There was a lady who was here, came on vacation, got saved in our church, and then flew to Japan where she moved to, can't find a church. So she watches the program every Sunday online here. Amen. Uh, in California, there's a testimony of this person who watches every single week. Uh, this other lady in Ohio that um, their relative is here in Hawaii. They don't have a church there, so they're leaning in. And, boy, throughout the year, it was not what we were thinking, but the Lord just put that on my heart. Increase and expanding and through even this um, television, right, going online, God's expanded and stretched us in many different ways ways to reach more people for Christ. I said also we would have to increase in our prayer, our faith, and increase in our trust in him. Right? How many of you have had to, that's been stretched, right? Our faith. And I believe God in this time and season is trying to take us deeper because before we can go wider, he always tries to take us deep so we'll be able to sustain the growth of what God wants to do in our lives. Um, today, I want to kind of wrap up this year on increase, and I want to kind of highlight that scripture, enlarging our tent, Isaiah 54, 2. Let your tent curtains be stretched out. Don't hold back. Lengthen your ropes. Drive your pegs deep. As we close this year, I can't help but think of one of the most, I think, important and influential Christian leaders of all time. Someone maybe you've never heard of. His name is William Carey. He was born in England in 1761, and he grew up in a very poor, poor family. He apprenticed as a shoemaker. He actually became a cobbler and worked at his trade for 10 years. 
Carey was a student who was very keen in his studies. He continued to learn and dive into the word of God. He wasn't waiting till a pastor led him or anyone. He had such a hunger for God's word. A young 20-year-old um, a, a guy who was just passionate for God. His hunger for God's word led him eventually to become a lay preacher in his early 20s. And he became a Baptist pastor who had a worldwide vision. Constantly, his conscience was stirred up about the millions who've never heard about Jesus Christ. Carrie believed that the Great Commission should be taken seriously. In fact, it should be obeyed. Before leaving to India, William Carey preached a message, and one line in his message is still quoted today. Carey said this, Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. This was his sermon based out of Isaiah chapter 54, which really has been our theme for the year. It's the title of my message. You can follow along uh, in your notes today. Uh, you can download the app. Uh, click on sermon notes. Everything will be there. Expect great things and attempt great things. I don't know about you, but when I reflect over 2020, it's been a little crazy. In fact, when the um, volcano went off, right, the other day, how many of you were like, oh, no, right? <laughs> for, for me, I was kind of like, I'm, for me, I was like, I'm not surprised. Like, could anything, don't say could anything else get worse, because maybe something else could get worse. And when that thing went off, I mean, Lord, this has been one year, one roller coaster of a year. And um, so much things have happened, racial tensions, right, political divides, things going on, this worldwide pandemic, major job losses, great uncertainty of the future. Yet for me, as I reflect over the year, I can't help but think, and I truly believe this, that this is the church's finest hour. This is the people of God's finest hour. We've been reading books on revival over the years, and I can't help but think, and I reflect back to this one time that there was this pandemic, and in truth, people were filled with hopelessness and uncertainty, but what it did was it birthed actually a revival and an awakening during a time of a great pandemic, and light shines best in darkness, and this is why God calls you and I to be the light Right, as he's the light of the world. And man, I can't help but even as I re reflect over this year, I know it was hard, I know it was difficult, but for me, I have this renewed sense of hope and a confidence and assurance in him that, man, this is our finest hour. We need to be meeting more than we ever have. We need to be worshiping together as much as we can. We need to be leaning in into connect groups and connecting, whether online or in person, and encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ and going out and sharing the good news of Jesus. This is the time. In the midst of our hopeless situation, hope is best served. We are ripe. The image in Isaiah 54 is that of Jehovah God, who's the faithful husband. 
He's the faithful husband who's forgiving Israel, who's the unfaithful wife. This is who Isaiah 54, what God is speaking to. And God is restoring her to a place of blessing, even though she's been unfaithful. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1, rejoice, childless one, who did not give birth, burst into song and shout. You have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. If we're going to expect and attempt great things for God, because even though the year is wrapping up for me, I tell this to the staff and to our team, I feel like we're just getting our wings, just getting our momentum, just moving forward in what God is doing. If we're going to move forward, expect and attempt great things for God, here's three things you need to know. Number one, we need to start with rejoicing and shouting. I say we need to start with rejoicing and shouting. Amen. The children of Israel have been in captive for 70 years. How many of you, this has been a really long year. Imagine this year times 70, how many of you would be over it after 70 years of this, right? I mean, we're already over it after 9, 10 months. The children of Israel were 70 years in captivity. Their temple of worship had been in ruins. Their city, you know, I think we, we talk about, oh, we can't meet. We got to wear masks. These people had their temples burnt and torn down, not able to worship there. Their cities were torn down and burned. Their identity stripped, transplanted in a foreign land. They don't speak the same language. They don't have the same foods there. Their identity has been shifted. And can you imagine that, what the children of Israel was like in Babylon? Now, then again, their hard-headed, thick, stiff neck got themselves in the whole mess in the first place, okay? So in some ways, I don't feel bad for them because they're just stubborn, you know, on this journey, um, I'm not getting cold or cold-hearted on this journey, but I'm learning, man, you reap what you sow. There are times in this life where uh, sometimes they're just like, don't you feel bad for them? I'm like, no, because they had a choice to make that decision. And I'm not going to feel bad for the poor choices that other people make. Israel's in this mess, and they put themselves there. And 70 years, they're paying for it. And what I talk about is rejoicing and shouting. Imagine this, 70 years, now God's going to rescue them, deliver them. How many of you think after seven years, there's going to be some shouting going on, some rejoicing going on? They were ready to rejoice. The first time we ever see the word rejoice in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 18, verse 9. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians. So it's the first time rejoice. They're delivering them out of uh, the hands of the Egyptian. And now, talk about rejoicing. They're delivering them out of the hands of Babylon. Now they're going back to their homeland, all to these, well, ruins. God uses the word rejoice over 257 times throughout the Bible. In Psalm 100, verse 1, it says to make a joyful shout to the Lord. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. King James Version says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. 
That word shout or noise, it's an interesting word. The original word picture is something to break or to split something open. That when we're to shout or make a noise, the word picture that it's trying to paint is that it's to break or split something open. Here's what he's talking about, that they were to make this ear-splitting noise. That there would be a shout from the people that would be ear-splitting that would break something open. I don't know about you, but I think the people may have lost their shout and their joy and their rejoicing in 2020, but it's time for the people of God to rejoice and shout with a voice of triumph and shout with a voice of praise because something happens when we rejoice and when we shout, it literally splits something open. It's time the children of God begin shouting their way to victory, praising their way to victory. God didn't know 2020 was difficult, but I'm going to shout my way into victory. I'm going to praise you in advance. I don't see it, but I'm going to praise you anyway. There's something that happens, an ear-splitting noise that there's a shift that takes place. Some of us have lost our shout, lost our ability to rejoice regardless of the circumstance. This is interesting because God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and he's not telling them to shout and rejoice because of what they're in. They're still in the situation. They're to shout and rejoice before their breakthrough happens. I don't know about you, but we need to see some breakthrough in my life. I need a breakthrough in my family. I need a breakthrough from my friends. We need a breakthrough in Hilo. We need a breakthrough in Hawaii. And I think it's time we shout and praise and rejoice the living God in advance for what he's going to do. Oh, hallelujah. We're going to close this year shouting the victory. Hallelujah. In that same word is the same word we also see when Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua chapter 6 verses 16 and 20. And the seventh time it was so that when the priests blew the trumpet, that Joshua said to the people, shout to the Lord for the Lord has already given you the city. Shout to the Lord, for the Lord has already given you the city. I don't know about you, but God's already given you the victory if you have the faith to step in and say, God, I'm going to shout before my kids get saved. I'm going to shout before my healing comes. I'm going to shout before the deliverance happens. Lord, by faith, I'm going to shout and see a victory. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap of praise. Lord, we thank you. Verse 20 says, the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout. And the walls fell down flat. The people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they looked and they took that city. You know, archaeologists have gone in and they've discovered the walls of Jericho. But what's interesting, they say, is that... 
it's almost like, you know, in our minds, in our cartoons, we see the walls crumbling down. And what archaeologists are kind of baffled is that the walls were still intact. Remember now, it says here that verse 20, they went up, the, when they shouted, the walls fell flat. And the people, so it's not a rubble, it was flat. And the people walked into the city. And archaeologists have said that it's quite possibly the greater miracle is, is that it didn't come crumbling. But it's almost as if God took the wall and sunk it straight into the ground. And the people walked flat across the ground. I want you to know that there are walls in your life difficulties in your life impossibilities in your life but if you and I begin walking and praising and giving the Lord glory in advance you will begin seeing walls come crumbling down in 2021 amen hallelujah we got to give the Lord a shout of praise he's worthy of the praise prophecy is both prescriptive and predictive and what I mean by that is it's prescriptive meaning Isaiah is speaking and being a mouthpiece of God and it's prescriptive for the time and season that he's in it's prescriptive meaning it's instructive for those who are there but it's also predictive of what's to come God is speaking through Isaiah that they would be delivered from captivity after 70 years. But it's predictive because the ultimate fulfillment is when the Redeemer comes to Zion and the nation is born anew. Meaning God was going to deliver them after 70 years, but they would also a predictive that God is coming back. He came for his children. He's always rescued them, but he's going to return again. I don't know about you, but when I look around and see the signs of the time, I say, surely, Lord, you're coming back. Surely, Lord, you're coming back. Help us to be ready for your return. It's prescriptive and predictive. God is redeeming his children. I pray 2020 may have taken away your rejoicing and your shouting, but I pray you walk into 2021 with a new shout. A new shout with a voice of triumph and shouting with a voice of praise. If we're going to expect and attempt great things for God, the second thing is we need to reject smallness. Reject smallness. We rejoice and we shout. We need to reject smallness. Let's read verses 2 to 4. It says to enlarge our tent, let your tent curtain be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your ropes, drive your pegs deep, for you will spread out on the right and on the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit, inhabit the desolate cities. What is he talking about? Imagine this, for 70 years... They have been held captive against their will in Babylon. And imagine this is prescriptive but also predictive because what he's telling the people of Israel is that there's going to come a time you don't see it at the moment, but you're going to return home to your homeland. You're going to rebuild and you're going to watch as people are 
going out from the left and from the right. And we're going to have to expand. And it's prescriptive at the time because God is speaking through Israel. And the people are preparing their hearts for the stretching of the tent. But it's predictive because it's in a way also speaking of the church to come. That there's going to come a time even of a great move of God where people will come from the left and from the right and from all different angles and we need to prepare and make room for the harvest. We need to reject smallness. Verse 4 says, do not be afraid for you will not be put to shame. Don't be humiliated for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. And I shared in my first message of the year, talking about what that was like when a woman was not barren back then. And what they could do is actually the man had a legal right to divorce her because giving birth to a child was a sign of great blessing. And you see this... Maybe you didn't know this, but I think we have about eight women in our church who are pregnant. They got uh, COVID babies here through this time of pandemic. So let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for all those who've been pregnant. And it's a sign of great blessing. And it's a sign of great harvest. And then we need to reject this idea of smallness. Reject that whole idea. It says you will not be disgraced. In fact, many times the world would like to disgrace people who can't. And what uh, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah here is saying that even though you don't have no kids, and he's using this imagery and picture of Abraham, right, and Sarah and Hagar, and, and the the woman, right, uh, Abraham gives his uh, servant Hagar to give birth and Sarah he's speaking of right that she hasn't given birth yet but it's the promised child and yet here think of this for a moment right Sarah she hasn't given birth yet to Isaac the promised child but yet God is already using this analogy in his word here he's speaking almost to Israel of kind of what he spoke to Sarah even though you haven't seen your kids your kids would be many like the sands on the seashore that when God speaks a word to you and I, you may not see it. This is why we live by faith and not by sight. Because if you, if you can see it, it doesn't take faith. It takes faith when you're stretched and you're outside of your means. We must reject smallness. An enlargement requires us to get out of our small boxes. I think throughout 2020, it's easy to get trapped up and isolated in our small boxes. In fact, the enemy would like to also do that to the church. There's also churches who are trapped up, and I'm not knocking them at all. They're doing it for different reasons, but I have to tell you this. This is just so stirring in my heart to say that this is the church's finest hour. Devil, you will not put the church in a box because God is greater than, than what anything, what the enemy wants to do, and God could take even what the enemy means for evil and use it for good. We have to reject smallness, reject our small routines, Reject small thinking. Reject our limited view of God. If you're discouraged going through this time, partly it might be because it's you have a very small view of God. 
if you're, I'm going to say that again, if you're discouraged through this season, it might be because your view and perspective of God is very small and limited. Because the bigger you begin seeing who God is, how bad he is, how omnipotent he is. He's omnipresent everywhere at once without lacking any power. He knows all things at all times and it doesn't even exhaust him. That's the God you and I serve. Maybe our view of him needs to get bigger and we need to reject smallness. Caleb and Joshua believed it could be done. Caleb and Joshua saw the place of enlargement before them, yet the rest of them shrunk back and stayed small. What did the other 10 say when they went into the land? Imagine they've been wandering for 40 stinking years. 40 years, then they get to the edge of the land, they pick 12, one from each tribe, they send them in. I mean, I don't know about you, but after 40 years, I'd be like, let's get this over with. Whoever is standing in our way, you're going to be slain down because, man, this is the land we're called to possess. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they get to the edge of the land, 12 spies go in, and 10 come back with a small mind, a small thinking. Right, he says that, oh, we were in there, but we were like grasshoppers. They were like giants. They began seeing themselves as they saw the others as they saw themselves, but also how they saw their God. Their view of God was tiny and little. So when they come back to give a report, the ten spices, man, we can't. They had grapes so big, it took two people on a stick Holding the vine of grapes. How many of you know that's some big grapes? That's some big grapes to take two people walking like this. And they saw themselves as little, as grasshoppers, as small, as less than. And yet Joshua and Caleb, and it's interesting, nobody names their kids after the other ten spies. But how many of you know someone named Joshua or Caleb? Right. Why is that? People name their names after someone who attempts greatness. Not from somebody who reverts to smallness and, and lacks in faith. And what does Joshua and Caleb says? We can take the land. We can take, we saw the giants, yes. But we can take the land. Why? It's because the view, their view of their God was big. I pray in 2020 that your view of God is not tiny and little and limited and that you reject smallness because the God that we serve is great and he's called us to possess the land. He's called us to step in and possess the land. Amen. We got to enlarge the place of our tent. Enlarge the place of our tent. It's our human nature to want to shrink back to pull back our human nature is we want to play it safe we want to err on the side of caution we don't want to be filled with shame we just read about that right that we talk about being disgraced we don't want to be humiliated right uh, if you've lived in the asian culture long enough right that isn't that a big thing right shame culture shame based you can shame anyone into doing something but how many of you know that that's not a good healthy thing and what he's saying is it's our natural ability to shrink back and pull back. But, man, the more and more I look at the story and I look at God, faith never plays it safe. I'm going to say it again. One of you got it. Faith never plays it safe. 
Faith is risky. Faith moves even when they can't see. Faith is like Caleb and Joshua who said, yes, they're giants in the land, but we can take them. Yes, they're bigger than us. They may look better than us, but they haven't met the God that we serve. Amen? God is calling you and I to reject smallness and small thinking. I pray as we roll into 2021, you reject small thinking. Reject the small God that you're serving and begin seeing how big he is in 2021 and the great things he's calling you and I to do. God was telling the children of Israel for 70 years to wait, but now their deliverance was coming and to get ready for the harvest and expand their tents. I'm telling you, even as a church, I don't care if it's in the middle of a pandemic where they tell us the six foot distance and everything. My heart is so full of faith. I say, we're going to add on the third service, right? And you know what? It's been full. And if I had my way next month, I would add on a fourth service. But I got to hold on and allow the team to say, come on, team, catch up, because my feet is ready to go. Because I can't help but think when I go outside the four walls of this church, there are people who are lost and hurting and broken and in need of a savior and they need to reject smallness. Because that's not the God that we serve. He's a big God, amen. He's a big God. Faith calls us to take risk about you but even for me as I was preparing this message and wrapping up this year of increase I can't help but think even prophetically as God was speaking at the beginning of the year even going into 2021 if I can speak prophetically into your life if you will begin to shout if you will begin to find your voice of faith where you you don't you're not on the defense of the enemy but you begin moving on the offense in 2021, it's time to stop letting the enemy tell you where you can go and where you can't go. And you begin telling the enemy where he belongs. You begin taking territory back. Prophetically, I truly believe as the saints of God get a bigger picture of who he is, we will begin seeing the children of God begin to march and take their place, being suited up with the armor of God. And every place that they step their foot, the Lord gave me this prophetic word years ago before I ever knew I was coming back to passages. Every place you step to your foot, I will give you that land. All you got to do is ask. I pray that you would ask bigger in 2021 if it doesn't scare you you're not praying and asking big enough because we err to the side of caution where we say lord i'm going to ask you for this because i think that's possible the god that you and i serve is the god of impossible the impossibility is where he calls you and i to step out in reject smallness if we're going to expect great things and attempt great things for God, we got to start by rede we're redeemed to save. We're redeemed to save, right? We rejoice and we shout. We reject smallness, but we're redeemed to save. What am I talking about? Let's read verses 5 to 8. Indeed, your husband is your maker. Speaking of Israel and God as their maker. His name is the Lord of armies and the Holy One of Israel. He is your redeemer. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you. Like a wife deserted and wounded in spirit. A wife of one's youth when she's rejected, says your God. 
I deserted you for a brief moment, but I will take you back with abundant compassion. What was, what was God speaking through the prophet Isaiah to his people? See, you got to read uh, even Jeremiah and the other prophetic books in the Old Testament. And God is trying to relent his anger. He's saying, listen, turn back to me. Don't go that direction, right? He's sending uh, Jeremiah for over 40 years prophesying. He says, as a mother is longing to gather her chicks under her wing, would you come back to me? And God is trying to woo his bride, woo his children, and yet they're stubborn and hard-headed. And can I encourage you as we're wrapping 2020, going into 2021, can you reject and throw off stubbornness? got quiet can you reject and throw off stubbornness in 2021 God's trying to get a hold of some of you and you've been stubborn doing what you want thinking I'm gonna no one's gonna tell me what to do I do what I want I want you to know that's what got Israel into trouble they're stiff-necked God says you are like a donkey in heat sniffing the wind you're like I'm running off in this direction like a rabbit in heat. I pray that we wouldn't be running and chasing after other things in 2021. But there, our eyes would be so focused on you, Lord. Lord, we are zooming in on you, Lord. You are the prize. You are the goal. Let's read verse 8. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But I will have compassion on you with an everlasting love, says the Lord, your Redeemer. What happened? See, God is a God of love, and he doesn't force us. He gives us a free will. Why is that important? Because a love that's forced isn't love. Now, don't get me wrong. When they're little kids, that love is it's forced. I'm not asking. I'm telling you, right? Because you don't know better, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? When they're ready to touch the stove, I don't ask him. I, I'm going to slap your hand, right? But I do it in the moment. It's kind of a forced love because you don't know better yet, but hopefully you mature when you become an adult that you start making better choices. And God, because of his love, gives us a free will and he allows them to go their own way. Why? They're chasing after the other. They want to be like everybody else. They, they, they're seeing what everybody else, have, the nations around them have kings. The nations around them have all of these things and yet they're rejecting God. And God, his heart is broken. And yet, because he loves, he's willing to let go. How many of you know that at times, love is willing to release. Doesn't mean we don't love. But he says here, he says, uh, I deserted you for a brief moment, but I'm always ready to take you back with abundant compassion. In my surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but I have compassion with an everlasting love. God is saying to them, would you come back to me? I'm wanting to restore you. I'm wanting to send you back home after 70 years, would you return home to me? Your husband, God, would not leave or abandon you. When he speaks about the bride, it's his church or his people. God was saying these three things, that you have a God who believes in you. You have a God who believes in you. If you don't believe in yourself, Pastor Ben mentioned that last week. Here we see God is believing in them even when they don't believe in themselves. 
Isaiah 54 verses 5 to 6 says, you have confidence in my steadfast love. That word steadfast is this loyal, covenant-keeping type of love. That's the God that you serve. He's going to keep his promises. Will you keep your end? Because it takes two to keep a covenant, right? If he keeps his end, will you keep yours? Second thing that God was speaking to them is you have a place where you belong. You have a God who believes in you, but you have a place where you belong. Jehovah God was their maker. He would not destroy the people he created for his glory. Think about that. God abandoned them for a moment because of their hard-headedness, but he's their maker and redeemer. He's not going to let them go. He's loving them to repentance. He's the redeemer that cannot sell them into the hands of the enemy. I don't care, even in 2020, it may seem like God's not there and God's left you and God's abandoned you and you don't know where he is. He may leave you for a moment. Sometimes we're hard-headed, but I want you to know that God is patiently waiting for you and I to return. Patiently return to me, says the Lord. The third thing God is speaking to his bride, his people is, you have a God who will be faithful. You have a God who believes in you. You have a God who gives you a place to belong. And you have a God who will be faithful. He's a covenant-keeping God. As an unfaithful wife, Israel had forsaken her husband. But he had not permanently abandoned her. Worship team, if I could get you to come as we close. He gave her an opportunity to see what it was like to live in a land where people worship false gods in Babylon. God would then call her back home and woo her to himself. She would no longer be the deserted wife. Although she felt forsaken, God never gave up on her. I don't know who this message is for. I don't know what 2020 was like for you, but I want you to know that God hasn't given up on you. He believes in you. He has a place for you to belong. He'll be faithful to you. Would you go into 2021 with a renewed rejoicing and a renewed shout? Remember what I said, that word picture is something splitting or cracking open when they're shouting and rejoicing. Some of us have been praying, which we need to pray, but sometimes, man, we need to just shout the victory. Shouting what God will do. I want us all to stand as we close. If we're going to expect great things and attempt great things for God, it's going to require increase and a deeper depth. And if you ask me, I feel like the Lord has been preparing us all year to go deeper this year when we haven't been able at times to meet. God's been flushing out things in you and I, flushing out things, the questions, the anxieties, the fear, trying to get that all to the surface so he can take care of that so that in 2021, you'll have the depth to be able to handle the breath of what he wants to do in 2021. Amen. Rejoice and shout, the battle is won before we ever step on the field because the battle is the Lord's. Reject 
smallness. Don't play it safe in 2021. When I say don't play it safe, I'm not, this isn't investment advice or starting business advice. When I say don't play it safe, what I'm talking about is don't play it safe. We need to be a light and a witness more than we ever have been before. It's time to get out of your homes and be a witness. Or if you're at home, you start texting and picking up that phone and start calling people, right? We need to reject smallness, stretch, make room for people, and we're redeemed to save. You have a husband who loves you, God. He has a plan and purpose for your life. So he loves you and rescues us, redeems us, so that we can go and redeem others. How many of you are ready, or how many of you are thankful he's redeemed you? Amen? Uh, I think that was pretty weak. How many of you are thankful that he's redeemed you? I think he deserves a better shout. Lord, we thank you for redeeming us, saving us, rescuing us. 2021, I truly believe, will be in the greatest year of harvest for his church, for his kingdom, and in your life. Let's pray. Well, actually, I forgot to finish the story. Let me finish the story. Is that okay? I got two minutes. Okay. William Carey, his life verse was Isaiah 54 2. Enlarge the sight of your tent and let your curtains be stretched out. Don't hold back. He and his team translated the entire Bible into India's major languages, also, 209 other languages and dialects. He also sought social reform in India, including abolishing infanticide, meaning the killing of babies. William Carey abolished infanticide in India. He also abolished widow burning at the time in that culture. If you were a widow, you were allowed that you could burn them. He's like, oh, no, 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 not on my watch. Because God's called him there to India as a missionary. He abolished widow burning. And he also abolished assisted suicide. Why is that? Because the gospel can't help, but it starts permeating every part of the culture. The gospel gets into politics. The gospel gets into lawmaking. The gospel gets into every part of our life. And he calls us to live the gospel out. He founded Sarah Moore College in 1818, a divinity school for, for people in India, which today offers theological and liberal arts education for more than 2,500 students. By the time William Carey died, he had spent more than, get this, 41 years in India without any furlough. No quitting. This guy didn't, um, maybe he needed a, he was a, the definition of a workaholic, okay? But for him, it was the urgency that God had called him to. His mission could count only some 700 converts among the millions. So in that 41 years, only about 700 people got saved that he converted. But those 700, he laid an impressive foundation for Bible translations. Imagine that, 209 languages and dialects. Amongst that, he laid a foundation for many others of social reform and education. Carey's greatest legacy was the worldwide missionary movement of the 19th century, which he inspired missionaries like Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor, 
David Livingston, among many others, who were impressed not only by his example, but by his words. Expect great things and attempt great things. In fact, I couldn't help, but as I was thinking about this message, one of the people who he inspired was Adoniram Judson. And uh, many of us, 21 of us from this church went to uh, North Point Bible College and there he was in, Brad, in, in Haverhill, Mass, or Bradford, Massachusetts. Adoniram Judson was sent out and prayed over right there at the very same school um, uh, where we went to school at. And he was prayed over in the little town square before him and the missionaries were sent out to be missionaries around the world. And I couldn't help but think back what one life who believed and expected God to do great things and then attempted to do great things is still touching even my life years later. I pray that we would reject smallness in 2021. God's calling us for greater things. Going to 2021 with a shout and a rejoicing. And we are redeemed to redeem others. Amen.